Welcome to another edition of Fronteras. I'm Hector H. Lopez. Today we're going to have a very interesting discussion. If you've been keeping up with the news in the El Paso, Las Cruces area, there's been a very big news story that has been taking over the airwaves. The whole question of a recall, not only for the mayor of El Paso, but also for two city council representatives, is now in full swing. And there have been a series of interviews, there have been press conferences, there have been all sorts of people trying to put out information and it's been very difficult to put your entire arms around the entire situation. It's a pretty big one. If you remember the days back on AM radio when we had political talk radio in the El Paso area, one of my regular set of guests was Teresa Caballero and Stuart Leeds, uh, prominent attorneys in the El Paso area and also now the legal counsel for the recall effort. So joining us today, we have both of them. Teresa, Stuart, thanks for joining us. Thanks for having us. You're welcome. Big debate. Yes. Big debate that has pretty much just uh, gone into uh, a full-scale media coverage mm -hmm. throughout our community. A lot of people wondering what the recall effort is all about, why Mayor Cook is being uh, recalled, or why there is this whole push to recall Mayor Cook, why there is a push to recall City Representative Byrd, City Representative Steve Ortega, Give give me an idea as as legal counsel to the recall. What is this all about? How did it all begin? Stuart? Well, it began as an initiative that was prompted by the voters to put a, 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 a vote on the ballot. They had to get signatures to put the vote on the ballot. They did, and then they ha have the vote. Mm -hmm. And it goes way beyond partner benefits at this point. Yeah. So they had the vote. The people voted. People had their say basic pillar of democracy and Mayor Cook, John Cook, has been putting out a lot of misleading propaganda about what's going on. Uh, basically what happened is he's now going back and saying that the initiative itself was was poorly worded and confusing. Well what he doesn't tell you is he and the city council had the final say so as to the wording of it before it went on the ballot. They they allowed it to go on the ballot the way it was. Let's give let's give guests a little more of an idea as to how, how this all unfolded. I mean you're you're talking about the partner benefits issue. Right. Perhaps some of those folks joining us uh, on th on this occasion uh, are still a little foggy. What exactly happened with the partner benefit situation? I know there was a whole uh, ordinance that was put before voters uh, in, in one of the last election cycles, how did that all take place? What, what exactly happened there in, in, in a brief synopsis? Well, basically what happened was they were saying we want to limit health insurance and other benefits. We, we don't want partners who are not married to yeah. receive benefits. And so that was, the, that was basically the initiative. And mm -hmm. so Pastor Brown and the Word of Life Church and other um, religiously based organizations came together and they said this is what we want we want this to end and they put together a proposition and city council said oh well you want something to go on the ballot you need you want an initiative on the ballot a populist initiative then you need to go get the signatures that's what the law says so they go out there and they get the signatures mm -hmm. and they come back and they said look we got the signatures and then they said okay well the law is it has to go on on the ballot but what Stewart is saying is that the, the city council had the final a word as to how the wording was going to be. So the city council has the power to say, we don't like your wording. Mm -hmm. We're going to change it. Or we think it's too confusing. We're going to make it clearer. They had that authority, but they didn't exercise it. So what went on the ballot was what the, these um, um, people had put together. So it goes on the ballot. People go vote. 
and the, the citizenry voted to pass the initiative. Well, then Mayor Cook and Susie Bird and Steve Ortega and Rachel Quintana said, oh, no, the people don't, they didn't understand what they were voting for. Mm -hmm. They were confused. They voted wrong. Right. If they had had a, if the, if the initiative had been better worded, they would have had a clearer understanding as to what they were voting for and they wouldn't have voted that way. And so they just simply undid the vote. Now, by city charter, they have the power to do that. They have the power to simply do away with a populist initiative. So, so there's this group of individuals mm -hmm. that goes out and, and brings together a series of, of, of signatures, right. and, and a substantial amount of signatures, mm -hmm. I'd imagine, to get something on, on a on ballot, ballot. Mm -hmm. uh, in, in a citywide, on a citywide scale. They, they managed to put this ordinance, uh, some people say ill-worded, the mayor was uh, just interviewed by KVIA uh, earlier this week, and he said that you know, there, there was a lot of misleading language in, the, in, in, this, in this wording situation. Then he, then he should have changed it. He should and have he should have used his authority, and he should have cle cleaned it up, quote unquote. But, they didn't. but he didn't do it. Then he comes. Then he oh. comes back, and he says, "It's, it's the people's fault." It's possible it's that it's possible that they didn't change the wording because they wanted it to go forward, so that if it passed later on, they could argue it was misleading. And what happened was, John Cook, the mayor, broke the tie. The tie was even, even. To, to just let it stand. He broke the tie to do away with the people's votes. Let the new votes. ordinance stand. So yes. at the same time that he's on TV Sunday night paying lip service to the democratic process, he's doing everything in his power to mm -hmm. thwart the democratic process. First, by breaking the tie to do away with the people's vote. Second, by getting, getting a TRO to stop the recall, well, which was dissolved by us. So he breaks the tie, yeah. and they do away with the people's vote. And then I think that's when this whole issue really mushroomed into this nuclear cloud. Because then whether you voted for the initiative or against the initiative, it became another issue. And that's when we became involved. Because we were upset that a vote had been taken, the people had spoken, and city officials, elected officials, felt like they had the, um, they were so arrogant to use their power yeah. to, to do away with it. It's it's interesting that that you you mentioned it, it mushroomed up. It, it sounds like it's like it's a lot more than just mm -hmm. partner benefits now. I, I mean, and, and several people got upset. Okay, so you you have this whole situation with the signatures, mm -hmm. the ordinance goes before the voters, and then the voters vote in favor of this ordinance. In that meantime, uh, what you're what you're basically telling me is they well, had the opportunity. City council had an opportunity to change the wording before it went to the voters. An opportunity and the power. Now, An did opportunity they, and the power. Did they, did they camp, were there active campaigns against this ordinance or was it, did it fly underneath the radar? How, how did that all play out? Because from my point of observation, I didn't see very many people. I, mm -hmm. I mean, at that point, uh, I personally was uh, on uh, AM radio, uh, Daily Show, and um, we talked about the partner benefit situation on several occasions, but I didn't see very many you know, city council members. A lot camping. of people are upset about the partner benefits, but even more people are upset about the thwarting of the democratic process, throwing out the people's votes. And how we got involved was when we read in the paper that District Attorney Jaime Esparza was going to look into uh, Tom Brown for criminal prosecution. And he's, D District Attorney Jaime Esparza is famous for his political prosecutions, using the power of his office to help his friends and hurt his enemies. When we saw that, that's when we stepped in and offered our assistance to help Tom Brown in any criminal prosecution that would be brought and to help in the recall effort itself. 
Right. It, it was a big. It was a big newspaper article. Tom Brown, leader of the recall. Tom yeah. Brown, leader of the initiative petition, now being investigated for felony charges, and so you know that was very um, disturbing. Yeah. It, I mean, it just it just keeps growing. We go we go from a, a populist initiative. They go get the signatures. They get it on the ballot. People come and vote. They win. Mm-hmm. You would think it would just be over, but no, they keep changing the goalpost. Yeah. So then it becomes, oh no, we're just going to throw it out, and we're going to blame you. We're going to blame you for the wording. We're going to throw it out, and we're going to we're going to obfuscate the issues, and let everybody think it was just too confusing. And really, you know, th- even the argument that they were using, especially Cook, that we're too dumb to know what we're voting for. Mm-hmm. I mean, really, that's unacceptable. And so, as as legal counsel to the to the recall mm-hmm. effort, would you say that? I mean, when did the recall effort? begin I, I assume it began after well you know Hector you're we weren't involved so the first time I remember hearing anything about it uh, Stuart and I were in the middle of a, of a huge jury trial we were representing a juvenile accused of raping a five-year-old yeah. and we heard that now these people the pastor Brown word of life church and and that group were really angry about their petition being thrown out and the vote being thrown out and they were going to do a recall mm-hmm. And that is when we first really started paying attention to it. Our, our thing was for a long time, we need to go sign the recall petition, but we're so busy. Everybody's so busy in their lives. But when we read about the DA stepping in, mm-hmm. who's re- who employs a relative of John Cook at yeah. his office, when we saw, we just tried a big case in May where a judge was politically prosecuted by Jaime Esparza, and we came in and stopped it and got her found not guilty. So we're well well aware. So that's what got us involved. Is in the, we're not going to allow another political prosecution. It is prosecution. very frightening for people who are exercising their First Amendment right to free speech, and you know the com- competition of ideas in the marketplace. All of a sudden, are being investigated criminally. That yeah. is frightening. And if you let it happen to A, expect it'll happen to, to you eventually. I mean, we already have a low mm-hmm. a low amount of voters as it right. is. It's right. almost like. A process to me, it's it's an interesting one to me because I, I've been following the whole situation. I think that it's like you, you've kind of put your finger on something that, that the public should know. I, I think it has mushroomed into something bigger. Mm-hmm. I know that I began to pay attention a lot clo- in, at a lot closer level when this became a recall process precisely because I, I think what brought more people to the table uh, was was perhaps the fact that of the voter will... Mm-hmm was in jeopardy now, something that the, had been voted by right. the, the... Because the issue is, if they can throw out this right. vote, they can throw out a- any vote. They right. can throw out an election if they don't like the person who was elected. I- interesting comment that uh, Mayor John Cook made on KVIA's Extra on Sunday. He, he mentioned that, um, and I'm paraphrasing now, but something along the lines of, you know, city council's in the business of dealing with ordinances. Mm-hmm. We make ordinances, we dissolve ordinances, we uh, do this thing on a regular basis. Your opinion on that? Is there, I mean, there is a difference here to me in that this is not an ordinance right. spawned by city council, by city council. spawned this by spawned people, by but how do you as legal counsel feel about well, that? Well, this was spawned by the people, so they're allowed to, they can do whatever they want, and the people can do whatever they want, which is get a legally valid recall election mm-hmm. going, and that's what's going on right now. And instead of trying to thwart the process with TROs and appeals and this big money civil law firm, which we still don't know how, how it's being paid for, mm-hmm. let, the pe- let the process go through. Let the people speak. Well, just because he has the right to vitiate a vote doesn't mean that he should do it. And Stewart's point is really good. 
yeah, you have the right to throw out a vote, and we have the right to throw you out. Yeah. So that's what you have. You have the government versus the citizenry. And what we've noticed, because we went out, we helped collect petitions. We got really involved. We helped collect petitions, and we would be out in front of jury duty hall every morning before going into the courthouse, and people were saying, I didn't like the fact that they threw mm -hmm. out the vote. I want to sign. And that was what we were hearing. I don't care about the gay issue. Right. I don't care about the benefits issue. I just don't like yeah. the fact people that people from all walks mm -hmm. of life have, have joined together in this recall effort. Gay people have signed the petition mm -hmm. to recall. Right. I mean, people are just outraged really? that they mm -hmm. yes wow. that they would throw out the vote. Mm -hmm. Now, let's flesh this one out. How many how many signatures were were tallied up for I the think, mayor and I think the for, two for, for the mayor? And for Steve Ortega, they got more than twice as much as they needed for, for each of those. Mm -hmm. And Susie Bird, they got almost twice as much as they needed to, to recall her. They needed about 6,100 uh, vote, uh, registered voters for the mayor. Okay. And they got over 14,000 solid signatures, which means they collected more than 14,000 signatures, right. but some of them don't pan out. Right. They, the, the group verified it. So it was over 14,000 for Cook and when they only needed 6,100, and then for Steve Ortega, they only needed about 650, and they collected 1,200 solid signatures, and Susie Bird was an, approximately 650, and they collected, I think, 1,100 wow. solid signatures. So they collected this, more. This is a serious number. I mean, right. in terms of elections in El Paso, uh, Sometimes you don't even get 14,000 pe 14, well, people out to vote. <laughs> what is going to be really election. interesting, and this is where El Pasoans, you know, El Pasoans, we are so pessimistic, and rightly so. A recall election has never passed in El Paso. A rollback has never passed in El Paso because it's never, you, it's never good enough. Yeah. You, you don't have enough signatures, even though you had enough signatures, or you got it in too late, or you got it in too early. I mean, we can never win. Yeah. So now it'll be up to, is the, is the city clerk honest? Wow. Is the city clerk honest? Going back she's to in charge of, of verifying the signatures. The, number, the verification process. Mm -hmm. And we'll, we'll get to that shortly. It's just that the number of 13,000 really does capture, in terms of my mind, because the, the commentary that you're making makes it seem like what we're talking about is 13,000 people that a good number of them may actually support partner benefits. Is that the correct understanding they're, they're, on my this, part? I mean, th th they might. This has brought together mm -hmm. people from all different walks of life and all different philosophies. Right. This is mm -hmm. the kind of stuff that would foment a revolution. The, the John Cook, who's supposed to be the mayor, not the king, disregarding the people's mm -hmm. votes. This gets people really mad. And, and you know what, also to put it into, into context, the petition, you have 60 days. You, you announce your intention to, to do a recall, and then you have 60 days to collect your petitions and turn them in. Yeah. So the 60th day fell on a Friday. Well, in El Paso City, especially for your Las Cruces viewers, City Council and all of its wisdom decided we're not going to do business on Friday anymore. So Friday, City Hall's closed. So if your petition's due on Friday, what do you do? Well, the law is, in, in, in civil rules, the law is if, if, if your deadline falls on a Saturday, a holiday, whatever, it goes to the next Monday or workday. But is Friday a holiday? It's just a day when they've decided we're not going to do work. So the, the, the wisdom was we need to get this in on Thursday because yeah. we're not going to play that game. You get it in on Monday. Oh, you're late. It should have been in on Friday. Oh, yeah, but you're closed on Fridays. Oh, but you could have asked us. We would have remained open, mm -hmm. and the civil rules don't apply to Fridays. Yeah. I mean, we know how they work. So the idea was it would come in on Thursday. On Tuesday, two days before the deadline, 
the, the group, the Pastor Brown, Word of Life Church, et cetera, et al., are served with a TRO, a temporary restraining order, saying by Bob Cook and his high-powered, high, high high, I'm sorry, John okay. Cook and his, thank you, and his high-priced dollar uh, attorneys saying, mm -hmm. stop collecting, don't turn them in. Stop collecting and don't turn them in. And Richard Mumson, city clerk, don't receive them. So after, so the, the signatures are collected mm -hmm. for the recall. Right. They reach these numbers that you're talking about, mm -hmm. and the process of trying to turn them in begins. And, and I say trying because you're describing... Two days. Two days before they were going to... Tuesday, and for t it's Thursday is the turn-in date, and Tuesday is when they're served. Tuesday at 10 is when they're served with the TRO, yeah. temporary restraining order. So we, we are able to get some things done really quickly. We hold a press conference. We say this is an outrage. We file a motion to dissolve the TRO, and we get a court date for the next morning. I mean, everything is just, you're just biting your nails. So we get into court the next morning, and you want to tell them what happened? Well, the judge basically dissolved the TRO mm -hmm. and modified it and said the recall's going forward. And, and, and Richard Mumpson, the city clerk, is to accept the petitions and start scrubbing them to see if the people are in the districts and, and if the recall is going to be put on the ballot. Now, for, for me, I mean, I, recalls aren't commonplace in, in our community. I mean, when they've, when they've gone out there, uh, some have failed. You know, some have gotten some traction, then eventually do meet some challenges. But recalls do happen in other communities. Is it commonplace? Is it, it happened commonplace in the state of California, one of the biggest states in the country. They had a recall. It was a peaceful process. Nobody tried to... Talking about the, 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 the recall eventually led to right. Governor Schwarzenegger. Right. And, nobody, uh, nobody, nobody went to jail. Nobody tried to flex their muscle to stop it and do TROs and appeals. So it's not. To, is it typical for there to be legal wranglings in turning in, in the process of turning in votes or in the process of getting this? You know, it's, it's kind of a, a case of first impression. But what we have is a mayor that's so arrogant that actually not only did he break the tie to overturn the people's vote, but in the middle of the recall, he broke another tie just a few weeks ago to to raise taxes on the people of the city of El Paso. So he's very arrogant. He thinks he, he knows best for us. It's the Patron mentality. Mm -hmm. Instead of letting the people speak, he's going to speak for the people. And that's why he's getting recalled. So we get the petitions in on Thursday. We get the, the, the TRO rolled back. Mm -hmm. we get the, in fact, they gutted the TRO, and the one thing that was left standing was um, Cook's lawyers had moved to non-suit Richard Mumps and the city clerk. Okay, you know, we don't really want her part of the TRO. And the judge says, I don't think I'm going to sign that. And then we said, well, you know, we actually agree with that. We want her out of it because we want her to be able to receive the petitions. Yeah. And he goes, no, I want her to stay in it because I want to order her to receive the petitions. That's what Judge Alvarez did. The El Paso Times did not uh, properly report that. In fact, Marty Schladen, the reporter who covered the story, rep reported the opposite. He reported that she was ordered and non-suited out of the TRO, when in hmm. fact that was the opposite. The judge goes, I want to keep her in because I want to have control over what she does and I am ordering her to receive those petitions. And the El Paso Times deliberately misreported that. And when I called the El Paso Times and asked for a correction on that, this is just absolutely wrong. It is the exact opposite. The judge ordered Richarda Mumson to stay in and ordered her to receive the petitions. Marty Schladen said he wasn't going to make the correction. Where are we at this point? In terms of right, the recall. Right now, Richard Mompson, the city clerk, has, I believe, 16 employees going through those petitions, verifying the signatures, verifying the addresses, verifying that everybody who signed it lives in the particular district that they're signing it for. 
and she has till this weekend to decide whether it's going to be a recall election or not. And, and, and on the legal front, um, Cook's attorneys have filed a, uh, for a, a writ of mandamus. They've gone up to the Court of Appeals, the Eighth what Court does of Appeals. Well, uh, I'm sorry, I'm just not. A writ of mandamus yeah. means this. You know, n normally it's for ministerial things. Let's say you get a divorce and you and the judge goes, okay, I'm granting the divorce and you present the judge with a decree, but the judge never signs a decree. Mm -hmm. Well, after a while, when you have a judge who won't sign the piece of paper that needs to be signed, you'll file a writ of mandamus to the higher court saying, mandamus the judge, order the judge to, do to sign that piece of paper. Well, I don't understand how a writ of mandamus applies to they're not liking a ruling. Mm -hmm. So, but but what they what they did was his cook's a, cook cook is aggressive, and he comes in and says, okay, I don't like Judge Alvarez's ruling on Wednesday morning. On Thursday, he files for relief from the Eighth Court of Appeals, saying overturn everything Judge Alvarez did. And that morning, on Thursday morning, the Court of Appeals said, no, we're not going to do that. that. Everything will continue. So he's been he's been trying to prevent this every step of the way. Now, what the court did say was, in 10 days, we want both sides to have their briefs in. So part of our brief is, writ of mandamus, it doesn't even apply in this scenario. And then the other question is, um, Cook, Cook's attorneys have threatened that they're going to be seeking legal fees hmm. against you know, the people who are out collecting petitions, the, the citizens. And I said, that's fine, and we're going to be asking for legal fees, too. And our question is, who's paying for John Cook's legal fees? Because I don't believe that he's paying for them. He's given two answers about that so far mm -hmm. on the air. One is, uh, the bill's coming to me. Well, that begs the question on who's going to pay the bill once it comes to you, John Cook. And the second answer he gave was, I signed a contract with that law firm. Again, that begs the issue, who's paying mm -hmm. for that yeah. law firm? Because under the city, um, ethics code, if it's anything like the county ethics code, which I helped draft when I was the first chair of the county ethics commission, you cannot accept gifts, yeah. e in either in the guise of free legal work or having someone else pay your legal fee. In fact, Cook actually got on TV the other night and asked people to contribute to him, to his legal fees for this. I think wow. um, he needs you. to be cornered on that question. Have you received any hefty campaign donations right about now, Mayor Cook, yeah. and to fund the, these legal expenses, and from whom? I have four minutes left to, to kind of recap and, and just kind of give a, a couple things stood out in Mayor Cook's last interview on KVIA, and uh, one thing that he said was, one of the things he, the, well, the two big points that he pointed to was, one, uh, he kept asking viewers over and over if they would personally want for the uh, he talked about over 100 individuals that have been personally affected by this. Uh, if they wanted to take away their benefits, specifically. He could have written them back in. He could have written those people back in. Again, that goes to his power to change the language of the initiative. And he could have written those people back in, and he can pass an ordinance writing those people back Instead in. Instead of just throwing out the vote in its entirety, right. which is what they did. Second point that the, that, that the mayor makes, and it, it, this one stood out to me as well. He makes a very big point to say this is going to cost taxpayers a lot of money. Well, let me quote Your response let me, for my, that. my response is exactly the response that Pastor Brown gave the other day. It doesn't have to cost El Paso a penny. Susie Bird, Steve Ortega, and John Cook can resign right now and save the taxpayers all this money. Democracy is very costly. It's very time-consuming. It's very messy. Dictatorships, not so much. Dictatorships, you don't have recalls, you don't have elections, you don't have jury trials. 
this is the price that the people pay gladly to have democracy, to have a say in their government, and not have John Cook throw out their vote. I'd like to point out that's a red herring. Every year, John Cook, City Council, Commissioner's Court, vote to give hundreds of thousands of dollars to Project Areva, which is part of the PISO, which is really an arm of the Catholic Church. And the Catholic Church hosts political forums, candidate forums inside the walls of their church, and get candidates to commit to whether or not they're going to give money to this group. It happens every election season. I don't hear John Cook complaining about that, the Catholic Church involving itself in politics. Should, should this recall, should the signatures be certified? Mm -hmm. uh, by when can we expect uh, a recall election if they were to be certified? That, I don't know. You think yeah, you expect we, legal, legal I, action? I, I expect them to keep fighting the people's will on this, and uh, Richarda will determine um, if, the, if the signatures are valid when the election will be held. And they have bottomless, they have bottomless pockets, and, and the answer to who's paying for John Cook's legal fees will tell you who runs El Paso. That's crucial. Well, guys, I want to I thank you for joining me on the show. I, I think that this is definitely an issue that is going to uh, define uh, El Paso's future in many ways. Uh, I think it's an issue that is, on one hand, talking about setting a precedent, while on the other, talking about the rights of individuals. And I think, Teresa, you've, you've hit the nail on the head. You come to a place where it is mushroomed to a point where the debate really is about uh, what you do with the will of the people as, and then there's also of course the issue with partner benefits. I have personally said before I, I stand in solidly in support of partner benefits at uh, you know with with the city of El Paso uh, however I, I have personal questions uh, I think as you've kind of uh, shared here with everybody about how we go from something that has been voted on by mm -hmm. individuals and just completely throw it out I think it's a, it's a, there's an active debate on both sides and uh, one that definitely people need to learn more about. So thanks again for joining thanks us. And for thank us. you, Hector. And folks, uh, you know, if you want to learn more about this, it's, it's very easy to do. Start asking questions, uh, get involved in, uh, on either side of the debate, and we'll continue to explore this uh, as it all unfolds. A recall process in effect in our own community. We'll see how it all plays out. Until next time, I'm Hector H. Lopez for Fronteras of Changing America and everyone here. Have a great evening.